Chapter Twenty. His Grace of Andover takes a hand in the game. Part One of Black Moth by Georgette Heyer. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. When the Duke of Andover dined next day at Grosvenor Square, he contrived by subtle means to make his sister feel inexplicably ill at ease. He let fall pleasant little remarks concerning her friendship with Captain Lovelace, in which she read disapproval and a sinister warning. She was afraid of him, as she was not of her husband, and she knew that if he ever guessed at the depths of her affection for the old flame, he would take very effective measures toward stopping her intercourse with him. It was, then, entirely owing to his return, that she told Lovelace that he must not so palpably adore her. Neither must he visit her so frequently. They were both in her boudoir at the time, one morning, and no doubt Lavinia looked very lovely and very tempting in her wrapper, with her golden curls free from powder, and loosely dressed beneath her escalloped lace ruffle. At all events Lovelace abandoned his daintily bantering pose and seized her in his arms, nearly smothering her with fierce, passionate caresses. Her ladyship struggled, gave a faint shriek, and started to cry. As his kisses seemed to aggravate her tears, he picked her up, and, carrying her to a chair, lowered her gently into it. Then, having first dusted the floor with his handkerchief, he knelt down beside her and possessed himself of both of her hands. "'Lavinia! Goddess, I adore you!' Bethinking herself that tears were ruinous to her complexion, Lady Lavinia pulled her hands away and dabbed at her eyes. "'Oh, Harold!' she reproached him. "'I have offended you, wretch that I am. Oh, no, no!' Lady Lavinia gave him her hand again. "'But twas wicked of you, Harry. You must never, never do it again.' His arm crept round her waist. "'But I love you, sweetheart.' "'Oh, oh, think of Dicky. He released her at that and sprang to his feet. "'Why should I think of him? Tis of you and myself that I think. Only a week ago you vowed he was unkind. You are monstrous wicked to remind me of that. We were both cross, and, and then we were both sorry. I am very fond of poor Dicky. "'Fond of him? Ay, so you may be, but you do not love him. Not as a woman loves a man, do you?' "'Harold!' "'Of course you do not. You used to love me. No, do not shake your head. Tis true. You would have married me, had it not been for Tracy.' "'Oh, Harry, how can you say so? What had he to do with it?' "'What, indeed? Whose fault was it that I was time after time refused admittance at Andover? Whose fault was it that you were induced to marry Carstairs?' "'Not Tracy's. Twas my own wish.' "'Fostered by his influence?' "'Oh, no!' "'You never loved Carstairs.' "'I did. I do.' "'You may think so, but I know better. Why, he is not even suited to you. You were made for life and pleasure and hazard. With me you would have had all that. With him—' She had risen to her feet and drawn nearer to him, her eyes sparkling, but now she covered her ears with her hands and stamped pettishly. "'I will not listen. I will not, I tell you. Oh, you are unkind to plague me so.' Lovelace took her into his arms once more, and, drawing down her hands, kissed her again and again. She resisted, trying to thrust him off, but she was crushed against him, and he would have kissed her again, had there not come an interruption. A knock fell on the door, and the footman announced, "'His Grace of Andover, milady.' The guilty pair sprang apart in the nick of time, she fiery red, he pale but composed. His Grace stood in the doorway, his quizzing glass raised inquiringly. His eyes went swiftly from one to the other and widened. He bowed elaborately. "'My dear Lavinia, Captain Lovelace, you are very obedient.' Lovelace returned the bow with much flourish. "'Your Grace.' 
"'Dear me, Tracy,' cried Lavinia, advancing, "'what an unexpected visit!' "'I trust I have not arrived at an inopportune moment, my dear.' "'Oh, no,' she assured him. "'I'm quite charmed to see you. But at such an early hour. I confess it quite astonishes me.' She brought him to a chair, chattering like a child, and so innocent was his expression, so smiling his attitude towards the captain, that she imagined that he suspected nothing, and had not noticed her blushes. It was only when Lovelace had departed that she was undeceived. Then, when his grace moved to a chair opposite her, she saw that he was frowning slightly. "'You—you are put out over something, Tracy?' she asked nervously. The frown deepened. "'No, I am not put out. I merely anticipate the sensation.' "'I—I don't understand. What mean you?' "'At present, nothing.' "'Tracy, please do not be mysterious. Are you like to be put out?' "'I trust not, Lavinia.' "'But what annoys you?' Instead of answering, he put a question. "'I hope you amused yourself well, last night, my dear sister.' She flushed. Last night had been Lady Davenant's masquerade, to which Lord Robert had conducted her. She had danced almost exclusively with Lovelace the whole evening, but as they were both masked, she was rather surprised at the question. "'I enjoyed myself quite tolerably, thank you. You were there?' "'No, Lavinia, I was not there.' "'Then how do you know—' She stopped in confusion, biting her lips. For an instant she caught a glimpse of his eyes, piercing and cold. "'How do I know?' smoothly finished his grace. "'One hears things, Lavinia. Also,' he glanced round the room, "'one sees things.' "'I—I I don't understand you,' she shot out, twisting the lace of her gown with restless, uneasy fingers. "'No. Must I then be more explicit?' "'Yes, yes, I should be glad.' "'Then let me beg of you, my dear Lavinia, that you will commit no indiscretion.' Her cheeks flamed. "'You mean—' "'I mean that you have grown too friendly with Harold Lovelace.' End of chapter 20, part 1